Professional wrestling, like real life, is full of surprises. Hi everyone, it's Freddie Prinze Jr. And it's no surprise I can talk wrestling all day, any day. Kind of like how State Farm agents can talk insurance and help you choose the right coverage. When it comes to important insurance decisions, let State Farm support you with the coverage you need backed with 24-7 support. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Morenita, a deep dive into the Latinx experience. With Morenita, we want to create a community and a shared space with you while sharing knowledge and inspiration. This show is about celebrating our culture with guests who exemplify the best of us. I'm Darlene Castillo, y te invito. Cedric Leiva Jr. is an award-winning stage, film, and television actor, singer, dancer, writer, and producer. He has toured the U.S. and Canada with theatrical productions of Rent and Miss Saigon, as well as performed with the prestigious Théâtre de Châtelet in Paris in a production of Carmen La Cubana. He portrayed the lead role of Manny in the 2020 Tribeca-nominated Best Narrative Short, Gets Good Light, and he was a 2021 featured poet in the Latino Book Review. Cedric was born in Santurce, Puerto Rico, and resides in New York City currently. It's my pleasure to introduce to Morenita, Cedric Leva Jr. Hello, hello, Cedric, my love. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. Thank God I'm blessed and I have health and the family's good and the career's good. So um, I'm just really grateful and thankful right now. Well, it's yeah. so good to hear your voice. It's, when was the last time we connected? A few months ago, right? During yeah, the pandemic. Yeah. We went to dinner. Yeah. We did. We Emma's down the block. We had from an me am- here in amazing Edgewater. meal. Yes, absolutely delicious. But we have you yes. here for a different reason because we want to learn all about you and all about the amazing things that you're doing for our community. And if you could just tell us a little bit of your start in the entertainment industry. How did you come about this? Um, how did this life find you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's ooh, that's deep. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I guess it goes all the way back to my childhood days in Puerto Rico. Mm. I was a part of the, the Coro de Niño de San Juan. And that was really my first um, introduction to the entertainment 
business or industry because um, it was a renowned uh, children's choir mm. uh, in Puerto Rico as, as well as internationally. And um, so we were uh, able to perform in really prestigious um, places in Puerto Rico um, and La Casa Blanca and El Catedral in San Juan. And, mm-hmm. and we traveled all around um, the city. So it started there. And um, from there, uh, we moved from Puerto Rico to Florida. Okay. Florida, I was quickly um, where, kind where of... Where in Florida? Yeah, Deltona, Florida. Okay. So Deltona, Florida is in between Orlando and Daytona Beach. Okay. It's like the second home for all the Puerto Ricans. All the Puerto Ricans <laughs> that leave the island, they have to go to New York. Or when they leave New York, they come all the way down to Orlando. Okay. Um, a lot of Dominicans there, too. I know. We everywhere, though. Um, <laughs> everywhere. Everywhere. All over. Um, so, so yes. Yeah, so when I moved to Deltona, Florida, I was involved in the choirs in middle school and something happened, something magical happened and people really put their love and focus and energy into my talent. And from there, I started taking voice lessons with a college professor who then got me into um, a vocal performance program at Stetson University where I got my bachelor's. Mm-hmm. And then while I was there, I really fell in love with musical theater. It happened a little before I got to Stetson. Um, I, there was a local community theater called Seaside Music Theater I'm um, actually not a community, uh, professional, professional theater. theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Professional theater in Daytona beach, seaside music theater. And they came in and put on a production, a high school production of, uh, once on the silent. Okay. They, they came out doing a diverse show. They're giving you Caribbean vibes. That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful All thing. The things. Yeah. And I played Daniel Bazon. Come on, Daniel. And you know, I play, you Daniel know, Bazon. I played T moon, you know that I, I, I yes. mean, okay. Am I feeling a little cover oh, coming on? <laughs> yes. I'm good. Um, so, <laughs> um, so they really treated us like a professional company. Right. We had warmups. We did all the things. And I was like, I want this life. Mm. So I went to school for opera, but the whole time I was like, I want to go back to that. Mm. So while in school for opera, yeah. I opera. connected with all the kids who were, yeah. And that's a whole different world. Yeah. I mean, how was... That's a whole different I'm world. I'm going to take a pause for a second because I'm curious in the opera because they don't you don't really see many of us in that world no. at all. How was that even like? I will say this at Stetson. I don't think it was on purpose, but maybe now looking back, maybe it was. But I came <laughs> in with a very diverse group. Wow. Um, there were a lot of African-Americans in my group. And my uh, when you go into the uh, opera program, you're also kind of connected to the choral program. Mm. And my conductor, director was obsessed with this uh, composer named Moses Hogan. Okay. Um, he's famous for his spiritual, his choral spirituals. Mm. And so we sang a lot of African-American spirituals. So I, I really felt like in that world, I had exposure to um, not only the classics mm-hmm. like Verdi and Mozart, Beethoven, right. and all that stuff, but also we were exposed to contemporary uh, composers and artists of color. But all that being said, uh, I definitely felt like a black sheep in the program. I was raised in the church. So a lot of my musical inspirational influence comes from that right. world. And so I was in this opera program and on the side, listening to Mariah, listening to <laughs> Kirk Franklin, listening to, you know what I'm saying? As and, we do. And I'm supposed to be listening, <laughs> as we do. And I was supposed to be listening to, um, you know, Pavarotti. Right. You would say like you were the black sheep of the program because you had other yeah. interests and other desires. And- Correct. Other desires. And also, yeah, I was Boricua. I mean, 
I think I was the only one, maybe, maybe there was another one. And, and culturally our people didn't really do opera. Yeah. Right? And, and culturally I wasn't raised with opera. And how did your family, um, I, this is like one question is, and people always no. think, okay. <laughs> people always think like, Oh, like it's, Oh, I think it's always like a 50, 50, you know what I mean? You just never know. So, yeah. but your family sounds like they were very supportive and they, yeah, very supportive. Yeah. 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 My my parents, um, you know what? Yes, I will say they were very supportive. Mom was more supportive. Mm-hmm. Dad was kind of on the sideline, but then when he saw that I, you know, I was making money and people were like <laughs> giving me attention, then he was like, "Okay, okay, all right, this this boy has." Then something. he's like, "Oh, that's you my know? son. That's my son." <laughs> oh, oh, that's it. That's it. Um, I feel that. And so, cause, yeah, because mom was always taking me to the voice lessons and um, going to all the competitions with me because I did that a lot in high school. Um, but yeah, but culturally, yeah, I grew up with, you know, listening to salsa, Motown, R&B, top, top 10, uh, you know, uh, Casey Kasem, yes. all that stuff. So yeah, so I'm in this program giving you opera, but not, but my spirit wasn't connected, mm. you know? So, so did my four years, it was challenging. Cause again, not only I wasn't in love with the world, mm-hmm. but also I didn't feel seen in the world. Mm. Whereas I did feel kind of seen in musical theater which is interesting because that's probably going to come in later. Right. But at least soulfully and like an urban sound, uh-huh. I, I felt like I could do that in musical theater or I was definitely um, in this world that kind of embraced me a little more than opera did. Right. You sounds like and you were pushing so, the boundaries. You were pushing like, yeah. and then realizing finding your place in theater yeah, yeah, yeah. in that world. Exactly. And so while in undergrad, again, connecting with the black sheeps like me, <laughs> and I got connected to um, how to get into musical theater auditions. Mm. So I did the UPTAs, I did the NETCs, and that's how I got connected to regional theater. Right. So I did that all through college. And then once it came to my senior year, I was like, wait out there. I'm not ready to go to New York yet mm. because I have this all this vocal training. Like I need a little more dance, a little more acting. So then I got uh, I went to the Boston Conservatory. Okay, Boco, for my master. beautiful. Okay, okay, Boco. That's a real. That's a so the real the deal. That's a real deal place right there. Yeah. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. But what I love that you stated, and and I don't know if some of our listeners know this or not, but theater is not just like a generic thing. (laughs) Like you don't just learn like theater and like all the aspects. No, there's opera. And then wait a second, if you want to go do Broadway or you want to do plays, that's a whole different training, a whole different mentality. Yeah. Like yourself in a wonderful, hungry fashion that you have, you obviously went out and after doing all of this schooling, you said, okay, we got to go back and we got to, you know, relearn some things and learn this new avenue. Yeah. So when did you come yeah. to New York? When was that transition? When did you feel comfortable? So I um, finished my program at the Boca. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I will say that I say this is a rich kid's business. <laughs> Mommy, you know, honestly, no, honestly. I, I think this is, so yeah, if, I've repeated if, myself saying this over and over and over again. You got to have the money. The shmoney. Yes. So if mommy and daddy are not paying for all these lessons and all these things starting from the age of three, mm. then you do need to go to either a performing arts high school, mm-hmm. I would say, or get into one of these institutions that are known. Because what Boko did for me was that it got me into certain doors in the city. Of course. And that's the privilege. Yeah. Yeah. And so it got me into certain casting offices and it gave me the training and the confidence to come to New York and slate as a musical theater auditioner and performer. Right. So after Boco, um, I booked my first tour right out of college. I booked it, I think, on a spring break situation right before I graduated. So I booked uh, the national tour of Miss Saigon. Yes, Miss Saigon. So, come on, Cedric. Yes. Espérate, you know, okay. you don't eso. Okay, dime más, sí. dime más. Okay, sí, sí, sí. <laughs> You know, and at that time, we can't say this anymore or we can't do this anymore. But at that time, I was a- ethnically ambiguous, uh-huh, uh-huh. As a, you know, as the children <laughs> used to use because they were like, tu eres? Yo no entiendo, no, I don't know what to do with you. So you're, you're ethnically ambiguous. But we're going to use you. We're going to use this but ethnic. We're going to figure it out because <laughs> you got talent. Right. Pero no sabemos qué hacer contigo. Right. But, but, but. So, so, yeah, so I booked Miss Saigon. I booked a track where I played a GI, mm-hmm. but I also played an Asian. Okay. Again. Very inappropriate. Now, 2021, I wouldn't, I would not take an Asian role right now. But at that time, people that looked like me 
people that came before me, the track, the people that I replaced, we kind of all look like mixes, you know, like mix or biracial or like, we don't know what you we are. don't know where, but you could be from anywhere. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. So, so yeah, so I, I was an ensemble. I played, um, yeah, just like these two different tr- tracks or ethnicities right. in the show. Um, and I lived my best life. It was, uh, it was my first tour and we played, it was, it was like all one nighters, which was you know, Ooh, horrible bless you. looking back, but no, but we had, and Cedric, had just touch base. Time. What is a one nighter? Because some of y'all don't know yes. what a one nighter yeah, is yeah. and we got to fill you in. <laughs> <laughs> so a one nighter is where you literally hit a new city every night on a musical theater or any type of national tour. Ay, Dios. So, I can never again. Yeah, I mean, no, it's no. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. And there were a couple of sit downs where you stay in a city for at least a week. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But for the most part, it was a lot of one-nighters. And that's kind of like um, how in the beginning, when when you're starting out and you're coming in, coming out of school, you know, you're going to hit these tours. You're going to take the job that you got to take. And that sacrifice of you're young, (laughs) your back can handle it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You can have your back, your, your... All the your things, knees, your voice, your, voice, everything. your mental, you know, the life, like you perform and then after, you know, you have to look, have a little fun mm-hmm. and then you still get up the next day and you can do it, I, you know, yeah, and I, you can do that in your 20s. I can't do that anymore. So yes, yes, I'm a foy. Yes, I'm a foy. And bless yeah, all you yeah, young yeah, listeners yeah. because those knees, okay. take care of your knees. Okay. Stretch. I just started stretching Stretch. now and I'm like, <laughs> why didn't I do this back in the day? Like I would have, so, okay. Um, <laughs> your knees, okay. you know, we still got a little strong yeah, knees. Yeah. So how did your knees, how did your knees, you know, continue going yeah. in this business no, yeah. after Miss Saigon? So Miss Saigon, yeah, and I booked rent after that. I booked the Nickelodeon tour. And then after touring the U.S., I was like, all right, I'm ready to do that New York City actor grind. Like I'm ready to like mm. pound the pavement, as they say. And, and so I did it. I, I came, officially came here in 2008. I want to say that's when I officially moved um, to New York. And after touring. Had you been to New York prior to that? Had you been coming in, checking it out, scoping the scene? Yeah. So dad is from the Bronx. Mom is from Brooklyn. Oh, so, okay. Yes. So yeah, they did it backwards. I would say. I was say like, they, they, <laughs> uh-huh. New <laughs> came down to the island. They were like, mira, quiero aprender el idioma. Yes. And I want my kids to learn the culture. Wow. So they came. Yeah. So from so these New Yorkans moved to Puerto Rico, barely really knowing the language. They knew the language, but they didn't feel very comfortable speaking right. it because, you know, that first generation thing of like, tienes que hablar inglés, yep. no, no tienes que hablar español porque necesitas necesita oportunidades. You know, that whole idea. <laughs> you know, you know they, they always spoke with their parents, but, you know, they didn't need to speak Spanish mm. in New York City. Mm-hmm. So anyways, came to Puerto Rico, had us. So yes, I had been to New York a lot because of my family. I have a lot of family here still. But I had never, as an actor, I had never been to New York to pound the pavement to audition to experience that life other than flying in for a day, busing in for a day, right. doing an audition, booking it, and then going back to wherever. And what was that like for you? Tell us. Was yeah. it the shock? What 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 was your experience? Yeah. It was a lot of different things. I think for me, I just I was so hungry to to experience New York, mm-hmm. to experience going to shows, to experience I will say this that I'm I'm so grateful that I've always been extremely hungry and, and driven mm. and, and had good work ethic 
because I was like, okay, I got to get to New York. I got to meet people. I got to get in these rooms, mm-hmm. you know, um, Broadway, 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 <laughs> or whatever. And so that, that was the motivation. Um, I will say keeping it 100 as the kids say, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that I, I came here and I, I did, I do feel like I partied a lot just cause I had to get that out of my system. I was like, Oh my God, New York city. Oh my God. Soho. Oh my God. Chelsea. Oh my God. Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. And also you know, like so, you, the diversity, did you have that? I know yeah. that you, you know, you were in Puerto Rico and then you were in Florida, yeah. but like, how did you feel like? I don't know, like walking outside, taking the subway and being surrounded by us. You know what I mean? Like 24 seven in a sense. No, what I will say, the blessing was that I got to live with my my tío Polly in Castle Hill. Okay, so you got that good food at home, the Bronx, we in Castle Hill. Okay, okay, home home of J-Lo. I got on the 6th. Every time I got on the 6th, I'm like, J-Lo got on the 6th too, and look what she got. I'm dead, yes. You know? Yeah, no, but that was literally, no, I thought of her every single time I took the train. There's no other way to survive. Because it would be an hour to the city, then do the city thing, Mm -hmm. and then an hour back. Yep, back up to the Bronx. So I will say that I had my family to kind of ground me mm. and also to give me that culture that, so that is important. so important to me. That's always, that's always been important yeah. to me. That's always kept me like, again, giving me that drive. Like, es para, es para la cultura, mm. es para Puerto Rico, mm. es para la familia. So that was always kind of underneath the motivation, inspiration to do the thing. Yes. Um, so I had that, thank God. And no, I mean, I, I listen, I already had a bunch of friends here that were already established that I met through uh, the many years of doing uh, uh, summer stock. Mm-hmm. So I will say that again, that networking, it started in college. Yeah. So I met those directors, I met those choreographers, I met those actors who were now starting to blow up in New York City. So, so, so yeah, so live my best life, I would say for a couple months and then I got focused and then yeah, pounding the pavement, doing the uh, open calls. Um, I finally got an agent through um, a friend and that kind of shifted everything for me because then they were like, oh, yay, musical theater, but here's TV and film. Mm. I had never, TV and film was never in my radar. Hmm. I sing, I act, I step touch. I remember, I think there was just one of my mentors who would talk about TV, film and transferring over. Yeah. But do you think that's just because in our world of theater, it's not talked about much like it's just kind of like do the thing do the job do the eight shows a week on broadway and that's Mm -hmm. it get your check yeah i think so and i think it's part of the training Mm -hmm. i did not have one tv film class so then that kind of shifted everything for me Mm. because it was this whole other beast yeah that first of all i wasn't trained in now retraining starts listen listeners retraining Mm -hmm, starts mm -hmm. back to start this is monopoly back to start (laughs) Yeah, back to start. And I will say I was very, the ego was like, listen, you just spent all this money on school. You're not going to spend more money on no classes, mm-hmm. on no voice lessons, da, 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 because you, you just, you just spent all the money. But I learned real quick with that TV film world. I was like, okay, I need to get into a class mm-hmm. because it was literally unknown territory. I was starting from zero. Hmm. So, but I will say, um, the agency that I was with, they really pushed me for that. And and that was never, again, in my radar, they, I was not passionate about being a TV film star. And they kind of, I, I thank God for them because they really kind of put that into my brain and into my world, my little bubble. And, and then getting a taste of those auditions, getting a taste of what that world was like, I was like, okay, let me get into class. Mm-hmm. Now that you're transferring into this TV film moment, 
the things we're called in for theater are very different than opera. And then they're very different, yes. even more different for TV yes. film. So you yes. being a Afro-Latino male, what were you noticing about casting? Yeah, like how were you being viewed? How were you being accepted? Yeah, what was your, your process? Now we're going to get into the nitty gritty and, and the reason That's why we're That's what we've all today, been right? waiting for. Yes, boom, sorry. It, it took a while. It took no, a while. we took there, we there, we here. We're following you. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I will say when I started with musical theater, what did we have? We had Rent and we had um, Once on This Island. No, for real. Yeah. We had Rent. We had Once on This Dream Island. Dream Girls. Um, when I started, Dream Girls. We had um, Ragtime. Uh-huh. Um, we had Lion King. Uh-huh. West Side so, Story. So, West Side Story. Right. So I learned early on in my musical theater slash opera slash regional theater world. I was like, okay, Cedric, the kids love your little soulful R&B sound. So work on that. Mm -hmm. And pretty much all through my non-union days, my regional theater days, I played only African-American. So I did the Smokey Joe's Cafe. I did the Five Guys Name Mo. I was in the Harlem Ensemble in Ragtime. Nunca, nunca hice un papel de, de latino. Yo nunca. tampoco. Eh, eh, y, y yo creo que, I think it's because, also at the time, there wasn't much unless it was West Side. Right. And I will say this, I've never been cast in West Side other than in high school. I've never in my life been considered for a West Side story professionally in New York City. I've been here a minute. And to me, that's crazy because I'm actually Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and my family is actually from the area where um lincoln center is currently at Mm -hmm. you know but i was always looked past or looked over for an italian person or someone that looked fair-skinned but we're gonna get into Uh that because we could listen you could be italian too and it's great but it's it's our actual people are not being represented in that exactly that's another comment we might we will (laughs) but um um so yes so musical theater opera land i was like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna get in with this baritone sultry r&b and i might give you a couple high notes a couple riffs here and there so so i knew that already with musical theater and then in the heights kind of started happening and then i was like oh a latino show cool Mm -hmm. you know not an x show and then but then with tv film i first of all was told to cut my hair Mm. so i had you know i had like a curly look i had kind of like a mini fro i was told to chop off my hair and i believe it was because casting was confused not only what to do with me ethnically, but they felt that if I had a buzz cut or, or I, or I had a, a baldy, let's say mm-hmm. I looked more Latino. Right. And, and at that time I was only going in for these like rough hood, uh, personas, hmm. which is also not in my essence at that time with casting, it was only what was available as a Latino man mm. was, you know, these very generic mainly violent and um, evil, bad people. Hmm. So that was my experience for a lot of the beginning of my TV film world. I, I was going in a lot for this one show, one network, and that's really popular that people love. Wait, can you say and it or no? Cast, I don't know. I, don't, I, I won't okay, say fine. it. Okay, fine. You tell me later. Um, but, but, it's, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's one of these really, these hit shows that's been around forever. Okay. And the casting director was like, man, I just... I wish you had tattoos. I wish you had scars because I, I love you, but just, you know, I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not believing it. And I was like, cool. That was experience. And then kind of after having that moment, that kind of stopped. Like, I think people stopped looking for me or stopped asking for me because maybe they were just like, he's not it. I don't know what happened, but kind of everything kind of stopped hmm. for a while for me. And I also changed representation 
And so I'll just skip to from when I started to now. It's such a vast uh, difference because especially with this whole like racial reckoning and moment that we've had and, and all kinds of communities being like, we're not being represented. I will say that I've auditioned the most in my life now. I've, I've worked the most as an artist. And I think it's because now they do want to see Afro-Latinos in the screen. Afro-Latinos are now behind the table as creatives, you know, and not only that, you know, as a gay man, as an openly gay man, those opportunities are now like just flooding in. And, and that wasn't there when I started. They didn't want to see Black Latinos. They didn't want to see uh, LGBTQ stories. Or if they did, there was only room for two and the A-list people in, in Hollywood were getting the, or, or the A-list people in New York. Because this is something that I went through personally, you know, after changing representation. Yeah. I think something that I had realized was the person that I was with before was not actually mm. portraying me in that light. You know, it was almost. Yeah. So do you think that's something with representation? I think in that world, is that something that's changing as yeah. well, right? So like agents are being forced to look at the reality. Yeah, I think it's representation. It's, it's several things. I think that um, first, I think myself, my own self-love, identity, all that kind of just kind of got in sync with the moment. Mm. I think back then I didn't really know what my type was. I didn't really know who Cedric was. Mm. And I think I was kind of trying to become this thing that I thought the industry wanted me to be. So there is this reckoning you know? moment for you, right? There's this mm -hmm. moment yeah. of, hold on, I need to know who I am before yeah. <laughs> I'm out here telling people who I am. Exactly. That's and that's huge. huge. And I tell, yeah. I tell that to young people. It takes a moment and, and time to figure out who you yes. are. But once you, you, you get into the essence of who you are, it shows in your work huh, yeah. and it shows in your auditions and it shows how you promote yourself on social media. Cause that's a big part of our industry now and our, how we get work and whatever. I wasn't aware of my blackness as a Latino ah. until really going into TV film casting. Like, wow. I was like, wait, yeah. I was like, wait, why am I not going? I kept going in for African-American and, and again, and if I was going in for Latino, it was only like these thugs. Right. These, like, you these weren't like Pico Suave. You weren't out here like, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and, and it was, um, I, I really, I wasn't aware of that. I wasn't aware of, of, I guess, you know, in theater, yes. I, I was like, oh, you know, I can, I can sing soulfully. I can give you urban, an urban sound as well as an opera. Classical yeah. Sound. And you were going in for um, all these black per se yeah. roles. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but for real, like, I think, again, TV film casting, I was, I was made aware of my look. I was made aware of my hair texture. Mm. I was made a, a more conscious of my African features mm. and as to why that might have been limiting the opportunities that were given to me. As a Latino, you to know? kind of play as a Latino. Latino yeah. To play a Latino. To be what you are. You know what I'm exactly. So in so many years, just sitting down, sitting here and watching non-Latino people <laughs> play Latino because they had quote unquote the look. Yeah. These these Eurocentric features that were seen as beautiful and as value and, and seen as okay, this is going to make us money. This is this is what America is ready for. Right. The problem is also, you know, in our Latin side as well. The blackness of who we are, even in the Latin aspect of things, is yeah. you didn't really see yeah. how the blackness was affecting the way people were yeah. portraying you or seeing you until TV film, yeah. until that actually 
then you got to see it clearly. It was a little bit of that. And then it got to a point in musical theater where, yes, then people all of a sudden, after In the Heights, all of a sudden, <laughs> Latinos, no, honestly, before In the Heights, I know so many actors that had Latino last names, like Rodriguez Hernandez, yes. that, there were Smiths and Frank yes. and, 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 and Henderson. And all of a sudden, all these people changed their last name to Perez and Gonzalez. Yep. And all of a sudden, La- Latino was in after In the it Heights. It was cool. But prior to that, it yep. wasn't. It, it really now wasn't. Now when I walked in um, and I'm so, like, I'm Dominican, they're like, oh, I know what that is. That was in that, yeah, yeah, exactly. that was in that musical in the Heights, written by Lin Manuel. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. You know the the father of all his fans. I, I you know, uh, <laughs> you know, no, 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 no. We love him. We, we do love, love him. him. Um, no, we love him. But it, it's it's hilarious that um, the sh- shift that happened also with musical theater. Yeah. So then people started writing all these Latino shows, shows, and and there was a little bit more representation. But so along with that moment of of not being cast in certain things and going in for the Avidas on Broadway, going in for the West Side Stories regionally and on Broadway and all this stuff and not getting cast mm. and seeing non-Latinos be cast in these roles, mm. you know, that started messing with my psyche, started messing with like my self-value. And that along with the non-quality auditions that I was getting from TV film, I was like, wait a minute, this is because I look a certain way. And it's also because these worlds aren't, don't realize that there are Black Latinos in in every single Latinx, Latino, Latina, Latina country in this world. Like Black people exist in every country. Right. And Black people speak Spanish. Do you think the reason for all of this is that there is a lack of us Latinos who are, our experiences are going to be different? Do you feel that we're allowing Latinos to tell our stories in Hollywood and Broadway and TV and film and all of these aspects? Yeah. Especially with what happened recently with the in the heights movie mm-hmm. all those people being called out and lynn coming out and apologizing and and um, realizing you know the shortcomings and I, I think that really with that moment i think hollywood and especially theater has really been called out mm. on the lack of black and indigenous representation in these latinx narratives i think people realized like oh this is your experience of how you see this thing. Yeah. But hey, exactly. let's like broaden our lens a little bit. And, Please. you know, why don't we just go to Washington Heights and take a walk right now? You know what I'm saying? And I yeah, think that's yeah. the thing, like being able to being open to have that conversation. That's where we make yeah. changes together, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it's also because the Afro Latinx community is a huge movement now of, of wanting to be seen you know, of wanting these casting, these, these writers, these producers to also include us in these stories. But when casting a, a, a Latinx movie play, whatever, traditionally they've, they've gone with people who look like J-Lo, Mark Anthony, Ricky Martin, uh, Sama Hayek, you know, and that's just the way it's been. And in a weird way, Latinos have all been like, yeah, I'm okay with that too. Isn't that weird? It's so weird. (laughs) Or, and what it is, it's like, not that it's okay, but it's more of like not realizing it's a problem. That's what it is. It's, it's, that's the biggest thing. It's like these blindfolds that we don't, we don't even realize are on us. And then we're like, hold on. Esperate. Did I see one yeah. brown person in this movie, in this Latin film? No. No, I didn't. Like, yeah. wait a second. That takes time yeah. to even process. Yeah. So this movement that's like been kind of stirring mm. 
and the kettle popped with within the heights because people were like, yeah, no more, mm-hmm. no more. Because it's being led really by Afro Latinx women, mm-hmm. really pushing this whole thing of like, we are here. Ew. Where where are we? Why aren't we in commercials? Yep. Why aren't we on Tele, Telemundo? Why aren't we on Univision? Where are the Afro Latinx um, news anchors? Mm. You know, where where are we in, in you know, because you go, I was just in Mexico a couple months ago. There are no indigenous or black people in any of the advertisement when you go to Mexico. It's wild. It's a bunch of European looking people. It's crazy. And then you walk outside. It's, and that's the problem. And that's the majority. And that's the majority. <laughs> of what you see. <laughs> Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, A military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There is an obvious increase of yeah. visibility that we need to um, instill. And um, yeah. 
And speaking more about that, I know that you and your partner, um, Pierre, mm-hmm. have something called Dominican. Yes. Can you give us a little? I know that's something that you're doing to bring up the Afro-Latino experience. Can we hear more about that? Dominican. Yeah. So um, I wrote a poem and Pierre wanted to film it. And we filmed this like experimental uh, piece literally the week that the pandemic happened. Mm. And um, we shot it on Tuesday and the shutdown happened that Wednesday or Thursday. And we were kind of in this weird place of what do we do next? And once we put the film together and started promoting it, um, there was so much positive feedback and we were like, okay, this is a thing. And so out of that, other projects came and we started a production company um, with this idea of, we want to tell more Afro-Latinx stories. Mm -hmm. We want to tell more LGBTQ plus stories. And we want those stories to be told by us and also wanting to have people of color on both sides of the camera. We came into it kind of with the experience we've had as actors in New York City and seeing how limited uh, the roles that we were going in for and and, and the quality of the work we were going in for. Mm -hmm. And so um, kind of starting this production company with the idea of we want to hire our friends, Mm -hmm. our amazing, talented friends that are around us that are mainly POC and queer and a bunch of uh, talented women who are not getting opportunities. How can we bring all this together and start a production company and start to create work? Mm -hmm. And let's create work that's then going to inspire young people that's going to inspire people to then create their own work and and the whole what's underlying everything is that we just want to we want our images and our stories to be out there we want visibility because we didn't have that growing up right i didn't see people that look like me growing up as leading men as as um in in romantic (laughs) um um relationships and experiences that you know and, and we were just so hungry to to kind of change the narrative and kind of be in control of that. And we used the perfect time of having nothing to create something. Yeah. And so, yeah, we've filmed about three or four shorts. We've won one of a couple of awards and um, have been um, hired to collaborate with other companies to create their own work. And it's all been kind of this thing where we keep telling these Afro-Latinx, these queer stories, these stories about women and having that representation as well as in front, but also behind the camera. I think it's amazing the work that you guys are doing and um, the fact that you were able to lift something like this coming from the pandemic when we were struggling and you created an outlet for, you know, all people of color and the LGBTQ community and, and such to just connect with something and also provide an outlet. And I think that that's how we increase this visibility of our community of lifting each other up. And that's what I love about your production company. It's such a beautiful example of not just talking the talk, putting the work up and really lifting everybody else around you as well. Um, I think that's the, that's the goal at the end of the day, right? Yeah. And I think in years to come, you know, the, the goal is to, to be an empire, you know, to be a media empire and, and where we're really um, spearheading these conversations and these uh, stories and these narratives that, that for so long were being told by n- people outside of these communities. Right. It's about time. You know it's about saying? time. <laughs> it's, yeah. And we just, you know, what's, what's, motivating us is really want, we want to inspire people. We want people to, to see themselves in our work and, and, and see themselves as beautiful and invaluable 
and um, and important. Well, I'm inspired okay. by you guys and your work. How are you feeling? You've had this incredible journey <laughs> from opera yeah. to mm-hmm. theater to TV yeah. film to this new world of being your own CEO. How are you feeling about the industry as a whole right now? Is it better as a whole for everyone? No. Mm. There's a lot of work that needs to happen. I think a lot of people are putting little band-aids on everything right now. <laughs> They're hiring, you know, African Americans in this position and that position and oh, we'll have seven black plays on Broadway. They're trying to like make it uh look really good visually right now right. so that to to make it seem like oh, the we fixed the problem. We love you guys. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So yeah, there's work that needs to be done, but on an individual, personal, um, no, I think I'm completely inspired. I've auditioned and been called in for so many Afro-Latinx roles that prior to the pandemic, never happened. Same, same. Never. I'm with you. I literally was like the next day I woke up, all of a sudden people saw me as Afro-Latina. Finally. Yeah. So I feel like people want to tell our stories. I've been in for so many and have booked so many um, LGBTQ plus uh, uh, roles and and campaigns and commercially too. Like I've booked so much during and post pandemic. And prior to that, people were not interested in me at all. And something shifted. And so I'm inspired for people that look like us. Mm. I'm inspired for future young people who are in college right now. They're going to get out future Black Colombians, Black Dominicans, just from everywhere, indigenous, gay, lesbian, trans, trans. I mean, that whole community has, I mean, leaps and bounds. And so I'm I'm so inspired and I'm so excited um, because I right now, Honestly, I'm overwhelmed with the amount of work and auditions that are coming my way. Oh my God, Cedric, I'm prior, tired. Again, prior, Cedric, yeah. I'm tired. No. I'm like, all right, see, I, y'all no. just can't get enough of me now. Okay. Okay. Darling, it's, cra- <laughs> it's crazy. It's I've never been this busy in my life artistically, creatively, ever. And I'm here for it. I mean, I'm here I'm for fe- it. I'm, I'm feeling the support. I'm feeling the love. But I also hear you, Cedric. I'm just hoping that this is not a fad. I'm hoping that this is something that sticks yep. y se queda. And I cannot wait to continue seeing the things that you and I do in this industry. And my dear, if people want to follow you or know about the Minorican, yes. can you let them know? This yeah. is your plug time. <laughs> plug, plug, plug. My handle is SETI, C-E-D-D-Y-N-Y-C. Dominican Productions is at Dominican Productions. Go to those uh, social media handles and, and find me, find us. And, and, and Pierre's is Pierlito with two R's, P-I-E-R-R-L-I-T-O. And he's doing some amazing things as oh, well. Oh yeah, we gonna and, have to. Uh, we gonna have to revisit. Yeah, this is gonna have to be a part yeah. two later on for for part you two. guys. Stay tuned, Cedric, my dear. Thank you so much for spending time with me. It is always so yes. good to see you. So good to hear that yes. you are doing well. Cedric's desire to improve is always accompanied by commitment and discipline. His patience, talent, and perseverance are testimony to the personal and professional growth that occur when things are done with passion. Versatility, being open to listening to the universe, and a willingness to change are keys to his success. In this world, be water. Adelante. Morenita is a production of Sonoro in partnership with iHeartRadio's My Cultura Podcast Network. 
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.